We want to thank you for joining us for our series on the Holy Spirit, Enabling Power. We pray that you will allow God to speak to you in a new way. So sit back and be blessed. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, I pray God right now that you would touch our hearts. God, open up our hearts to receive your word right now. God, we we come against the thoughts of our mind that would so often limit us, God, from touching you, from receiving from you. Because God, your word declares we don't receive it in the mind, but we receive it in the heart. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. And God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive from you tonight, that you would speak to our lives, that you would touch us, that you would change us. In Jesus' name, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five someone around you and say, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night to buy supper for me after church. There you go, there you go, there you go. Tonight's your night. We want to talk again about the Holy Spirit. Really excited about the journey that we have been going on throughout this month of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the who. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is a person, but He is God. He is the person of God in the now for our lives right now. We talked about the baptism, looking at six key principles or truths when it comes to the baptism. Our favorite is this, everyone's included. On Sunday, we looked at the what of the Holy Spirit, what He wants to be in your life. We saw from Genesis all the way through the entirety of the Word of God, every role that He played, and now what He wants to be in each one of our lives, how He can make us what we need to be. He can make us what He wants us to be. And He can do such a great work in our lives. So we want to continue that journey tonight, discovering great truths, having a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit and the power. Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power. Say with me, you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They already had faith. They already had a relationship. Jesus has been taken up. And now he says this. The reason I go is because now I want to give you the power for your faith. Your power to live saved. Your power to be what I want you to be. So they had faith. But he said now the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you with faith for your power. Doesn't make you more saved but it helps keeping you saved. Amen? It helps giving you the strength because I believe, and we've seen it from God's Word, I believe as a child of God, we can never live a fully victorious life without the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about having an evidence of the Holy Spirit baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in a heavenly language. And as Pete said tonight, those of you who are seeking that, keep seeking, keep asking, keep believing, open up your heart to receive because that's all you have to do and yield your life to God. And we really believe that God's going to fill you. If not at the end of this service, maybe driving home in your car, in your bed tonight, on your way to work tomorrow, at the ball field on Friday night, wherever you may be, we just really believe if our hearts are open and yielded to God, God wants to give us His gift, a good gift that comes from God. So we're looking at the Holy Spirit, understanding the power that it promises to be in our life and how He longs to change our lives, to give us strength, to give us ability. And tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at, through the Bible, the symbols of the Holy Spirit. So the title of our message tonight is The Symbols. We've done the who, the baptism, the what, 
the symbols. And maybe this Sunday we're going to talk about the why. And maybe just be here. If not, it's still going to be good on Sunday. I can promise you that. But we're looking at the symbols that are used in the scripture for the Holy Spirit. Literally, as we see the symbols, they will manifest or they will show to us the very nature really of God. They will show to us what God wants to do and what God wants to be in our lives by way of the symbols and what they represent. But what you've got to understand is this. They're just symbols. They're not the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about in a few moments about being a dove, every dove you see is not the Holy Spirit. So if you run one over, you haven't killed the Holy Spirit, okay? Every fire you see is not the Holy Spirit, but yet it's symbolic of, and it is that which we can see this, the similarities. We can see the nature. We can see what God wants to do through those things. But remember, these are just a representation of the Holy Spirit. A good example of this is like a logo or a trademark. It represents the company it stands for, but it's not the company. Everyone understand that? It's a symbol of that company, but it's not the company. The same is true with the Holy Spirit, as in the symbols that we're going to see tonight. They represent the Holy Spirit and show us what the Holy Spirit wants to be, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. I remember as we're talking about the dove, not every dove is the Holy Spirit. My dad, if he was here tonight, would be able to tell you a story about they were going through something just really trying in their lives. And and my dad had stopped at a traffic light and he was stopped there and he was just really grieving and his heart was really heavy. And all of a sudden, just out of the blue, a dove came and just landed right beside his car and he just felt such a presence of God just flood his car and come in and he really felt that the Lord was telling him through the Holy Spirit everything was going to be okay. And what an incredible thought just through the symbol of the dove that he was able to sense and to feel and to know that the Holy Spirit's promise was there that everything is going to be okay. We're not worshipping the objects. We're not worshipping the symbols. But their purpose is simply to illustrate, to point to something else and in this case, to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at the symbols of the Holy Spirit. So you're ready? Symbol number one, we're going to look at oil. Oil is one of the symbols that represents the Holy Spirit. Throughout Scripture, we read of oil being used in a number of different ways. One of the ways that we see oil was used was when it was time for a priest to step into his service. The word used is to be consecrated, to be set apart for service before God. What they would do was they would take oil and they would anoint the priest. They wouldn't just do like we do now, just put a little bit on the forehead, but they would literally pour the oil upon the priest's head and it would run all the way down his body. Look what it says in Psalms 133 verse 2. Speaking of this, it says it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. So when a priest was going to step into office, the sign that they were part of God was that they would be anointed. The oil would flow from their head to toe. It would pour all over them as they were ordained for service. They were anointed with oil, literally totally covered in oil. Oil, Psalms 133.2, if you were asking, 133.2. There you go. If you've got questions, just put your hand up. 
There you go. But oil was also used in choosing a king. It was the choice of God was represented by oil. We see this in the life of David. We know that Saul was the first king of Israel. The children of Israel asked for a king and God gave them a king, but that wasn't his choice, that was their choice. Saul rebels against God and as a result, God denounces him as king. He no longer recognizes him. His kingdom is going to be taken from him. And God says to Samuel these words, how long are you going to mourn? How long are you going to be upset? He says, fill your horn with oil and go to Jesse's house because I have anointed, I have predestined one of his sons to be the next king. And all I need you to do is just seal the deal. I just need you to anoint him. So Samuel goes. And as he stands before the sons of Jesse that were literally lined up in front of him, he puts the horn over the head of the first person, but the oil didn't flow because that wasn't the chosen or the choice of God. Samuel thinks, what's wrong? He's shaking it. He's wondering what's going on because why is the oil not flowing? Because God's choice wasn't before him. He goes down the line. And every one of the sons that was present, God's anointing did not come upon them because they were not the chosen of God. He looks at Jesse and says, I either missed God or you're holding out on me. What's going on here? Do you have any more kids? Uh, There's got to be something because I know I'm in the right place. And Jesse says powerful words, paraphrased. He said, well, there's that little kid out in the field, but he's not even important enough for us to bring him here. And what does the prophet say? We will not sit down until he comes. We will not sit down until he comes. We're going to stand in attention and we're going to wait for him to come. And David came. And when that young boy stood before Samuel, my God, the oil began to flow. The oil began to flow. And Samuel anointed David from head to toe. First Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. It literally ran from his head all the way down to his feet. Why would we talk about this? Because the saturation that took place in the natural was a foretaste, was a shadow of the saturation that the Holy Spirit wants to be within each one of us. In the day of Pentecost, His Spirit was poured out upon mankind. The Bible says that they were filled, not just filled, they were filled to overflow. And God doesn't just fill to the top. God wants to fill to overflow. And for what reason? So it can flow out to other people. Come on. When God says, I want to bless you, what does he say? I want to open up the windows of heaven so big that I want to pour out such blessings. There won't be room enough to contain it. There is not room enough to contain everything that God has for your life. Because God has much more for your life so you can touch other people. So we literally see through the anointing of the priests for those who were chosen to be servers, the kings who were chosen to serve, we see a type of the oil that was the saturation that was that that was poured upon them. I remember I had a similar experience to this true story. I think Megan was there with us. I think Miss D may have been there. We went and did a youth service in... um, 
New Orleans. It's actually for your uncle's church, Wes's church, Uncle Wes's church in New Orleans. And I can't remember the youth pastors that they had at the time, but they had youth pastors. And we had a powerful service. We took our band, we sang, I ministered. It was just a powerful service. At the end of the service, they said, we want to pray for you and, and for your band. I'm like, man, go for it. Go for it. That's great. And I remember they brought out this big jug of oil, this big jug. It wasn't like our little, our little thing here. You know, incidentally, this is like the little bottle from um, Cracker Barrel. Anyone been to Cracker Barrel? Had any syrup? That's the little Cracker Barrel. But they brought out this big thing. And he anointed me with oil. He poured the thing on top of my head. Now, I'm trying to be spiritual, okay, because I've just preached and, I, and I've just ministered. But I have got on my brand new silk shirt. Now, I know you're looking at me. They used to be in style. If you're wearing a silk shirt, keep wearing it. It's going to come back around in style. But they were really cool. Anyone remember the silk shirts? I had those? Man, I was sporting my new silk shirt, and I was so proud of that thing. And I could just see, I'm trying to be spiritual. I'm trying to close my eyes. I'm trying to get into this prayer. But I can feel this oil going through my hair, and I can feel it beginning to descend. I can feel it pooling in my ears first. So I've got big ears, so it caught a lot of the oil. And then I can feel it going down my neck, and then I can just feel it going down. And I can remember, I, that ruined my shirt. Ruined my shirt. I should have sent the bill into them. And, and, and then later that night, we were in McDonald's eating on the way home, and I went like that, and my eyebrows were just like covered in oil. It was just great, and, and all those kind of things. But aren't you glad we're not part of the Old Testament anymore? We don't have to be saturated with oil. We don't have to all walk out like just squeaking and just put the baby oil on, and let's go outside, and we'll get burnt or something in the sun. But aren't you glad? But yet it's, it was back then, it symbolized just the total saturation of God. From the head to the toe, that which would saturate you. But then there's other references in the Old Testament in regards to the oil that was used as fuel for the lamp. Specifically, we read of in Exodus 27 verse 20, it says this, it talks about the lamp of the tabernacle and it says, and you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil, pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continuously. The lamp in the temple, in the tabernacle rather back then, it was a tabernacle. The lamp in the holy place or the lamp in the sanctuary was never supposed to go out. And it was an instruction that God had. And it's very interesting. I know this is a kind of bonus. But if you would read in 1 Samuel, you would read about Eli was the high priest. And the Bible tells us that Eli was the high priest. And because he was ancient, because he was old, we see that he neglected to fulfill the true duties of what it meant to be a priest to maintain the light. In fact, we read this. Look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Uh, 3. It says this, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of God was rare in those days because there was no widespread revelation. I want to tell you right now, the reason there was no widespread revelation was because the lamp of God had been allowed to go out. Because it was symbolic of a darkness that would be brought to the nation because they were disobeying God. The presence of God had almost been removed because man had neglected their responsibility to do. Look what it says. And it came to pass in the time while Eli was lying down in his place. 
I've preached a whole message on this before in his usual place. And I'm not going to preach that. But Eli was lying down in his same place. And when his eyes had begun to grow dim, he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, while Samuel was laying down. I believe the picture is this. Eli is laying down in his usual place. Samuel is beside the ark of God. He is where he should be as the priest of God. But yet the darkness has come. So we see that the oil represented a spiritual darkening that was taking place over that nation. Because they allowed the oil, the lamp to go out, there was a darkening that took place. Why? Because the oil is part of the presence of God, recognizing where God is. But also what we see in the New New Testament, we also see that oil is used to anoint the sick. The Bible tells us in Mark 6, verse 13, and they cast out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. James 5, verse 14, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. I want you to know this, the oil is not magical. It's not a magical thing. It's not, it's a symbol, it's what it represents that makes the difference. It's teaching us that the Holy Spirit of God wants to be involved in every area of our lives. So as we look at oil, what did we see? It's that which consecrates, it's that which set apart the priest. It's that that put the choice and the favor of God upon those who would be kings. But more than that, what does it do? It penetrates, it permeates, it saturates, it soothes, it moistens, it protects, it lubricates. But you know what else oil does? It purges and it cleanses. Why the oil? Because God wants to consecrate us. He wants to set us apart. He wants to use us. But then the uses of that to make us function. Anyone like driving in a car where there's a rattle or there's a squeak? Anyone like that when you open a door and you're trying to be quiet because your kids are sleeping and you open it really slow because you don't want to wake them and you hear it going. How annoying is that? Perhaps your life is really squeaky and annoying and you just need the oil of God just to lubricate you, just to make you fresh, just to make you sweet. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some oil. You need some oil. You need some oil. Symbol number two. Symbol number two is the dove. Luke chapter 3 and verse 22. This is Luke's account of Jesus being baptized. And it says, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove, and it rested upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. But the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove. Why a dove? Because a dove represents that which is gentle, that which is peaceful, that which is pure. When Jesus came and died on Calvary, did he come as a dove? Did he act like a gentle dove? When Jesus died on Calvary, nothing that day could stop him. No devil in hell could stop him. No person, nothing. He died whether they liked it or not that day. And I'm telling you, they didn't like it. 
but they had no choice about it. What I'm showing you is this. The way Jesus lived and operated on the earth was maybe more robunctious. It was maybe more aggressive in that. He wasn't gentle and kind. He was very, not ugly, but yet he was very strict. He was very disciplined. He was very orderly in what he did. But what we see is almost the contrast to that. We see now that the Holy Spirit wants to be that which is gentle in our lives. It's almost an extreme contrast to the working of the Holy Spirit. But just because it's gentle doesn't mean it loses its power. The Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they shall what? Inherit the kingdom. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is just controlled strength. So when we're talking about those who are meek, we're talking about a gentleness. We're talking about a peacefulness, a controlled strength. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. Why do we know that? Because we read from the scripture that we can either hinder or we can release the spirit by our response and by how we are. The Bible says that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you know we can grieve? Do you know the Holy Spirit has feelings and we can hurt his feelings? We can hurt his feelings because he's a dove. Well, he's like a dove. He's gentle. He's peaceful. You try and run up to a dove and see what's going to happen. You can't do it. It's going to fly away. It's going to take off. You've got to be gentle. You've got to be kind to it. And that's what we've got to realize. Our reaction and our response can determine whether his Holy Spirit tends to work on our behalf or work not against us, but not for us if it's not working with us. In his own sweet way, the Holy Spirit will gently nudge. Have you ever been gently nudged by the Holy Spirit? Aren't you glad that the Spirit of God don't slap you up the side of the head? If the Holy Spirit slapped us up the side of the head, every one of us would be brain dead how many times we've been hit round the head. But aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit has his way of just gently nudging us when we say something wrong to our wife, that there's a, a gentle nudging inside of us that says, you need to take those words back and say you're sorry. Anyone ever had that gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit? And I think that's so great that the Holy Spirit gives us the opportunity to be able to respond in that way, that it's not all that we've got to do something, we've got to be forced, because God won't force himself. Someone said this of the Holy Spirit, he's the perfect gentleman. He will not force himself where he's not wanted, where he's not welcomed. And that's why the symbol of the dove, I believe, is so important, because we need a sensitivity to God. We need a sensitivity to his spirit. We need to be still, the Bible says, and know that he's God. Having a stillness and a gentleness in our life. Not running 99 miles to 100 miles all day. But we've got to have that stillness that, because we can miss, I believe, an important attribute, an important truth of what the Holy Spirit wants to be. He wants to point out our imperfections. He wants to point out our impatience. And, when we, and he uses that in such a gentle way. So what an incredible symbol of the Holy Spirit, just gentleness. Gentle. Well, God's just going to make me do what I don't want to do. No, he, he's a dove. There may be a time and we're going to see that there are other things. But he's gentle. He wants to work with you. And he wants you to work with him. And together, you make an awesome, life-changing team. Amen? So it's gentle, it's caring. So we've got oil, that which saturates, that which consecrates, that which lubricates, that which purifies and cleanses. 
Then we've got the gentleness of the dove of the Holy Spirit. The peace sign is the dove. That which would bring peace to mankind. And then the next symbol we see is the symbol of water. Water. But not just any water. We're talking about living water. Living water. Have you ever driven down the street and all of a sudden smelt this awful smell in your car? And you realized that you went over a ditch or something and there was stagnant water in there? There is nothing that almost smells worse than a stagnant pond or a stagnant pool. And that's not what God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be stagnant water. His Holy Spirit wants to be living water inside of each one of us. John 7, verse 38 and 39 speaks of this. It says, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being, out of his heart, will flow forth rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit. This he spoke concerning the Spirit that wants to be inside of us, flowing out of us as living water. Isaiah 44 verse 3 says this, For I will pour water onto him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit on your descendants. Notice, I will pour my water, the promise of God, upon those who are thirsty. Have you ever been really hot one day? Have you ever been so dying of thirst in the middle of the heat? Tell me how refreshing just a cool glass of water can be. You can feel that from your head all the way down to your toes. And you'll probably say something like this. (sighs) Why? Because water is refreshing. Why water? Because it brings life. It brings refreshment. It cleanses. It purifies. It's that which can wash. It's that which can restore. It's also because I believe it's one of the essentials of life. You can't live for long without water. Two things you can't live without for long, and that's air and water. Some of you may say, what about food? You can survive with that food longer than you can, air and water. If you don't believe you can survive or that you can survive with, without air, then just hold your breath for a few minutes and we'll just let you know that you need that. But you also need water in your life. You dehydrate if you don't have enough water. Your body literally begins to detoxify it or toxify itself, begins to shut down, dehydration sets in. Why? Because you don't have water, that which flushes out, that which replenishes, that which gives to your life. And I think what an incredible picture of the fullness that God wants to put inside of our lives, that there literally can be a flowing of living water that flows out from us, that begins inside of us but flows out from us, that is touching other people, that we're no longer dead, we're no longer dry, but we're refreshing, we're resurrected. So living water, think about that. Why water? Because it brings life. If you look at a wilderness, there's no plantation there. Why? Because if there's no water, there's no life. The Holy Spirit, a symbol of water, wants to bring life to your barrenness. Maybe your marriage right now is barren. The water of the Holy Spirit can cause it to be a fruitful plain. Maybe your finances right now are barren and dry. 
the leading and the guiding because the Holy Spirit said, I'll lead you into all truth. The water of truth can pour upon your finances and you can see as you begin to be a good steward and you begin to work and apply the disciplines that you need to your life. Watch as God can bless your life financially and He can bring refreshment. He can restore your soul. David says that He restores my soul. He restores my soul. So symbol number three, we looked at the water. Symbol number four, you'll be glad to know there are only 92 symbols, so we're getting on really well tonight. Okay, there's only five, so we're nearly done. Symbol number four. Number three is water. Number two is dove. And number one is oil. Are you okay? Are you going to make it? That's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll let it off. We'll, we'll help you out. Okay, symbol number four is wind. Wind, wind. Acts 2 verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Why wind? There's two reasons why wind. Number one, wind can be gentle. Wind can be gentle and refreshing. There can be a cool breeze. Now, I know if you've lived in Louisiana for a long time, you don't know what a cool breeze is. We don't have cool breezes here. They tell us probably one of the best places to live in America is San Diego area. You hardly have to run an air conditioner because all the time you have a cool breeze. You can open the windows. I used to love that in England. Pete can testify to that. We used to love opening our windows and just having that lovely cool breeze that would sweep through your house. You open your window now here and you go, ugh. Ugh. Come on, anyone know what I'm talking about? But yet wind can be refreshing. Have you ever been out of the ball field? Have you ever been out and all of a sudden you just felt a breath, breath, just a breath of wind, just a gust of wind come by and you just went, oh, so nice, so nice. The Holy Spirit wants to be gentle and refreshing just like that, the wind. But you know what else? And we do understand this type of wind in Louisiana. You know what other kind of wind the Holy Spirit can be? The Holy Spirit can be powerful and overcoming. Just like a hurricane, He can blow in. Why? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to be strong. Sometimes He needs to be awesome. Sometimes He needs to move in with might and strength. And we know, again, that type of wind here because we're seeing the effects of it. That kind of wind, what? Knocks down things that stands in its pathway. It removes obstacles from what it needs to do. Aren't you glad that the wind of God can be refreshing, but yet the wind of God can knock down bad attitudes, that the wind of God can knock down wrong spirits, that the wind of God can knock down sickness, that the wind of God and the healing of the Holy Spirit can bring life and nothing can stand in the way of it. I don't care what you put up. The wind's going to knock it down and the Holy Spirit is a power force from heaven. So yes, thank God for his refreshing. But I'm glad too that God's wind and hurricane has sometimes blown into my life. Come on, sometimes the wind of hurricanes had to blow. I know in my life, just going through, I remember probably one of the greatest hurricanes that ever I've experienced in my life was going through a divorce. That was tough. That was a storm. That was a trial. That was a wind. That wasn't something nice. No one says, woohoo, a hurricane's coming. Let's, let's, we, we batten down the hatches. We, we flee. We, we bury ourselves because we're getting out of harm's way. No one chooses to be in the middle of a storm. 
But I'm glad that the Holy Spirit in the middle of my storm was able to knock things out of my life that needed to change. Come on, that the Holy Spirit was able to change things inside of me. So when I came out of the storm, thank God for the refreshing breeze again. But the refreshing breeze would have never done what the hurricane needed to do. In each one of our lives, there's been moments where we've seen tragedy, we've seen turmoil, we've seen sickness or whatever it may be. And it's a storm that's coming. But the Holy Spirit, you can just see the hand of it, not many times at the moment. But as we begin to just keep trusting God, we can see that God was in it, that God was in it, that God was in that. And he brought a past the symbol of the wind. We need the gentle wind. And we need the strong wind. We need the wind of his spirit to sweep through our lives. Yes, refreshing us, but also removing and blowing away the trash and the debris and the obstacles that are standing in between us and God. Amen. Amen. So the symbol of the wind and last but not least, number five is this, the symbol of fire. The symbol of fire. Matthew 3.11 This is John the Baptist. He says these words. He said, Indeed, I baptize you with water to repentance. But he who is coming after me, speaking of Jesus, he is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. One gospel says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize you, notice, with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire, fire. Acts 2, verse 3, when the day of Pentecost came and the strong wind blew in where they were sitting. Look what it says in Acts 2, verse 3. And then appeared on them, or there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. So why fire? It's a number of reasons why fire. There's many uses for fire. There's many purposes for fire, one purpose of fire is to refine, to refine something. What does it mean to refine something? It means to change it from one form to another. If we're looking right now at a, a cool piece of metal machinery or something, it didn't just happen like that. What it had to happen was it had to be refined. That which was um, just unusable had to be put into a fire. It had to be heated up that it could be pliable, that it literally could become in liquid form. So then what could happen? So then it could be beat into shape. Then it could be hammered or pressed into shape. And then it could be made to be of function and of use. Come on, aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit wants to refine your life? He wants to take something that may we label and man may label as a mistake and a failure and not something that's not good. God says, that's okay, I can work with that. Come on, God says, in fact, I used the foolish things of this earth. God says, you're exactly the candidate that I'm looking for. And I'm glad about that. You don't have to say amen, but I'm glad about that tonight, that God can use that. And that God's Holy Spirit, as the fire comes in and changes me from one state and makes me another state that is now usable by God, that he can use me. He softens me so he can mold me, so he can shape me, so he can make me me. Fire can also consume. Do you realize that? Fire can consume. (laughs) Man, something can be just gone just like that with fire. 
Just like that with fire, it can be gone in a moment. It can remove from existence. It can consume. Hebrews 12, verse 29, it says this, Our God is a consuming fire. One translation says He's an all-consuming fire. So we know that fire can consume. I think the Holy Spirit needs to consume some things in our lives. Needs to just take out. We don't need those reshaped and reworked. We need them gone. We need those addictions and strongholds broken. Come on, we need those things consumed. We need those bad attitudes. We need that sin nature inside of us to be consumed and gone. We need the Holy Spirit so we can live victoriously. Do I hear an amen? But what else do we see of a fire? Fire can be used to warm. Oh, gather around a fire. and You can just feel that warmth that can come from that fire. Just the peace in that warmth. The comfort in that warmth. Have you ever been so cold that your whole body is shaking so much that you couldn't even speak and you couldn't even move and your whole body was just aching because you were shaking and you get over that fire and at first you're shaking, but then all of a sudden, what does it do? It brings peace and rest to your body. Gives you that rest you need. You know what else is so great about a fire? It's illumination. It gives light. Warmth and then it gives light. And as a result of that light, there's security that we can feel. Mom, Dad, can you turn the light on? Nothing's changed but a light. And a light changes everything. And think about that in our lives. The fire, the light of the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate, wants to give us a confidence. Wow, you have a confidence, don't you, when there's a light? Try and get up to the night to go to the bathroom without the light on. See how many things you're going to stumble over and see how many things you're going to fall over, especially when you've got babies and kids. They leave stuff out. And I don't think it gets even any better when you have teenagers in the house. I think it just means there's bigger stuff and more stuff that's left out. Skateboards, and now you've got everything that you can trip over. I mean, just a little thing that you'd stand on, you see, and scare you. But now you're flying, you're on your backside in the middle of the night saying, what happened? What went on? But you can turn on a light and the confidence you have. Ever lost anything and you've been feeling around? And you turn on a light and you realize it was right in front of you, but you fell all the way around it. Amazing what light can do, how it can bring comfort. It can bring direction. It can help you find that which is lost. Another thing that we see of light is this, or fire is this. It's something that we can use to cook. As a result of the heat, it can bring sustenance. It can bring satisfaction to our life. And one other thing, I know there's many other reasons and uses for fire, but one other is this, it can purify. Remember what it was like to be out doing, um, when we were out backpacking and we were out in the middle of nowhere. People hurt themselves or just something like that. We had to use a knife or we had to use something Remember what it was when we were doing all those expeditions and we were walking for miles and miles. Your feet would get so badly blistered that you had to pop your blisters in order. If not, it was just pain. We used to take a pin and we used to have a match and we'd light that match and we'd put it over the pin. And then we'd... That water is life-giving. It's refreshing. It cleanses. It purifies. We see that the wind is that which is gentle and that which is soothing, but also it can be mighty and it can be overpowering. And it can remove obstacles and things in its pathway. But then we see it's a fire. It can be that which changes us. 
from something that's worthless and hopeless into something that is usable and something which is great. It's consuming, getting rid of the junk. It's warming, it's illuminating, it's purifying. All of what the Holy Spirit wants to bring to your life. All those things He wants to be for your life. That He wants to first bring to us so we can take to them. In us first so we can touch other people and make a difference in other people's worlds. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is something so tangible and so real for your life? And God's thought of every intricate detail, everything, when we say, what about this? He's covered it with the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that is left undone in the Holy Spirit, what God cannot do in your life. I need the Holy Spirit. Come on, I need the oil. I need the dove. I need the wind. I need the fire. I need the water. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And I pray that every one of you realize the need that you have for the Holy Spirit too. I know time is gone. I was going to take questions. If you have a question, email it in because I want to pray for you all. Can we do that? So email it in. If you've got any questions about how do I email, go to the Connect Zone. We can even take your questions there after church if you want and we'll handle that. But would you stand to your feet tonight? And as you stand to your feet, I don't, want to, I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I don't want to force anyone. But if you feel comfortable and if that's okay, I'd just like you just to lift your hands to heaven right now. Could you just lift them? You don't have to lift them high over your head. However you want to do it, just as a sign of surrender. I often think about when I lift my hands that I'm making my life and my hands like a big funnel. And I'm saying, God, would you feel me? And if God was filling you right now with silver dollars, I wonder how small you would let that funnel be. I wonder how big you would want that funnel to be if God was filling your life with something that you think would bring value and worth to your life. You would have your hands so high and so wide apart because you would want to catch everything you can. I'm telling you, we are getting something greater than a hundred thousand, a million dollars that God could pour into your funnel right now. We're getting something that is life-changing, that will change your life. As you lift up your hands, I just want you, you can say this out loud, you can say it in your heart, but here's what I want you to say. I want you to say this, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Holy Spirit, would you fill me? In the name of Jesus right now, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill us, God, right now. God, we're not trying to fabricate something, we're not trying to work something up. We're just yielding our lives right now and saying, Holy Spirit, come into our lives. Fill our lives to overflow. We want to see an evidence of your presence in our lives. We want a heavenly language of an evidence of your presence. God, we want to be filled with the oil, with the dove, with the water, with the fire, with the wind. We want the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want every facet. We want every part. We want everything. We need the power that accompanies your Holy Spirit. And God, right now, we just pray that you would fill us, God. We just pray, God, right now that you would fill us. Come on, just begin to yield your heart and just begin to tell him, God, I want you to fill me. I want you to fill me with your presence. If you've been filled already, here's your prayer. God, refill me. 
God, give me a new dose. Give me a double dose. God, I want more of it. I don't want it to stop. I want it just to come from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet and back up to the top again. I want so much of you that I can't contain it, that you'll change me, that you'll consume everything that's not right in my life and you'll make me what you want me to be, God. We welcome your Holy Spirit into our lives right now. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit Enabling Power. Our prayer is that you've been challenged in a new way today. If you need anything or just someone to talk or listen, we're here for you. Call us at area code 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us. And remember, when you put God first, everything you do will prosper.